Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Jones Podcast, where we show off our enthusiasm and, well, Jones for fantasy sports to help you win your league. Now let's join some fantasy. Welcome to the Fantasy Jones. I'm Carlos Marion, and again, I'm here with my good pal and fantasy guru, Frank Amarante. Frank, how are you doing this week? Feeling good, feeling great. Another week of talking football. Uh, excited to talk about a couple more rookies and, and get right into it. Yeah, let's get right into it. Now, Obviously, OTAs are going, and we are talking about rookies and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is, he's all the rage right now. He's getting drafted right after Kelsey, Waller, and Kittle as the tight end four. Frank, is this too high of a price for you? Well, let's just go through Kyle Pitts as the player. So he was drafted fourth overall by the Falcons, which is the highest ever for a tight end. He's essentially the best tight end prospect of all time. Like he, had, he has elite college production. So in his last season, 43 catches, 770 yards, 12 touchdowns in only eight games. If we look at playerprofile.com, which is a great website that really breaks down uh, really the profile, the athletic profile and their, their skills profile, they really do a good job there on playerprofile.com. He's a six, he's six foot six, 245 pounds. He ran a 4.44 40. He's still only 21. And he, what's key is he broke out at a young age. He had his breakout season in college at 19, which is huge because imagine a 19 year old just dominating on the field against 21 year old players, two years older than even three years older than him. So that's a huge thing for a prospect. Uh, he's able to win as an inline tight end. He could win in the slot. He can win on the perimeter. So this isn't your regular tight end. This isn't an elite tight end prospect like a TJ Hawkinson. This is just a unicorn. And I know he's being drafted ahead of, of Mark Andrews, of T, on, ahead of TJ Hawkinson. He's going ahead of uh, T, uh, Tyler Lockett, Mike Davis, even Josh Allen. It's a high price for a rookie tight end especially. But it's worth it to me. Let's look at why. Number one, Julio is now in Tennessee. So Kyle Pitts is the clear-cut number two in Atlanta behind Calvin Ridley. This is going to be a pass-heavy offense. They'll be forced into shootouts because of their below-average defense. And we could even see Kyle Pitts split out wide and essentially take on the Julio role. Secondly, new head coach Arthur Smith did a phenomenal job while in Tennessee as the offensive co coordinator. He developed a really efficient offense. I think he's going to really boost the offense in Atlanta, even though they lost Julio. So the coaching has improved, and he's going to be, he has a clear path to volume with the Falcons. Now I know the 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 downside with Pitts, the risk with drafting him at such a high price is that rookie tight ends really tend to struggle. This source is stathead.com since 1990 only two rookie tight ends put up more than 700 yards as rookies evan ingram and jeremy shockey both giants evan ingram averaged 11.57 ppr points per game that year which would have finished as tight end five this past season 
and Jeremy Shockey averaged 11.43, which would also finish as tight end five this year. So, so Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts detractors might be saying, well, two tight ends ever since 1990 were able to do that. Well, Kyle Pitts is way different than those players. None of those, none of these tight ends have the same combo of, of a pristine athletic profile and elite college production, along with a favorable team context like Kyle Pitts has. Like Evan Ingram was not on a Giants pass-heavy offense. Neither was Jeremy Shockey back in those times. And none of those two receivers would split out wide, really. Evan Ingram can split in the slot. He's closest comp to Pitts because he's really he's really athletic and he was often used in the slot. But he's not Kyle Pitts. This, this is a once-in-a-lifetime tight end. And I know that it's definitely a risk because he's going at tight end four. But the upside is too high to pass up for me. This is not a conventional tight end. I'm in even at this high price. Shout out to Cal Pitts, Philadelphia's very own. What type of a team would you have with Cal Pitts on it? What are we What are we looking at here roughly? Are you taking running backs and wide receivers early? So if I was building a team and I used a fourth rounder on Kyle Pitts, I would have likely used my first rounder on an, on an elite running back and then taking probably two receivers in round two and three and then taking a shot on Kyle Pitts in round four and, and then maybe in round five going for a running back who might have slid in the draft like a Mike Davis who has that ugly name even though he's he's headed for a huge role or like a David Montgomery who people aren't are still not trusting running backs like that who might slide more than than expected so and I would take Kyle Pitts if in round two and three I took two very safe wide receivers who are ready to get like filled with targets like Michael Thomas and someone like maybe someone like if I got lucky and got Keenan Allen or it could be Amari Cooper or even taking a shot on CeeDee Lamb Something like that. Two really good receivers who are in good situations who are, I'm confident will will deliver on their ADPs. Then I can take that shot with Pitts. Now, when you say safe wide receivers, do you mean target hogs? And yes. So absolutely, like you're gonna steer away from guys with a um, like a high depth of target or something. Uh, well it's different because that's not I would I shouldn't say that because if let's say I let's say I had a late first round pick and I took someone like um Cam Akers and then I followed that up with Tyree Kill I wouldn't avoid Tyree Kill just because he still gets targets maybe not as much as a as a Stefan Diggs or a or a DeAndre Hopkins would but he's still going to get enough to that coupled with his big playability is just huge so not always those it's more that you know what in the top three rounds they're they're usually all target hogs it's not like I'm gonna have to take someone who who has a lower target share then like I'm not gonna take a Kenny Galladay yet even though I like him that's a not the best example but someone who is who gets more of their their fantasy value from from uh going deep from from downfield receptions so Kyle Pitts is a risk so I'd have to get 
even safer ones. Like, for example, if I have Kyle Pitts, maybe it's better in a season-long league to have a wide receiver like Keenan Allen instead of Justin Jefferson because Keenan Allen is more of a trustworthy to have a high volume, even though I like Jefferson better. It's just about team building because then Jeff uh, Jefferson, if you put him with Pitts, those are you have a sophomore and you have a rookie tight end that's really highly priced. So you could be you could be adding risk to your overall build in that way in a season long league. But having said that, I mean, I could even take Jefferson with Pitts. I would just have to insulate them late in the later middle rounds with more like taking higher floor players rather than shooting for the moon in those rounds. One of my favorite things is to balance my team. And I'm not a fantasy advisor, so do not listen to me. But one of the things I like to do is if I'm taking in terms of wide receivers, do something like you said, where if I took Tyreek in my head, the next wide receiver I would take would be a safer one with a high floor that, okay, maybe he's not going to get me 30 points in any week, but every week he's going to give me at least 10 to 15. And that gives you some sort of stability. Like you said, that you can take a chance on these like shoot for the moon players that are boom or bust. Now some weeks are going to do poorly, but if you have safer players surrounded by them, you're going to win more likely than not. Exactly. Frank, give me a bold prediction where you think he ranks at the end of the season in terms of tight ends. Okay. So bold prediction I'm going to make, even though I won't rank him ahead of this guy in my preseason ranks, just because, this player I'm about to mention just has such a good track record. I just can't justify ranking pits over him, but I'm going to make the bold prediction that by the end of the year, Pitts will outscore George Kittle. And the reason for this is because the 49ers, I expect them to play Trey Lance earlier than expected. And when they play Trey Lance there, it's going to be a lower volume in uh, passing offense They'll run the ball more. Lance will scramble. And also they have three mouths to feed, three studs in that offense, in Kittle, in Debo Samuel, in Brandon Ayuk. And plus, like we've seen, George Kittle's always battling some side of, some sort of injury. So I think Pitts can definitely outscore him, even as a rookie. Uh, I won't put – I don't think Pitts will outscore Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey, though. But Kittle is within reach. Having said that, I'm ranking Kittle over Pitts, and I wouldn't take Pitts over Kittle. This is just a bold prediction that I think is reasonable and attainable. There's another rookie creating buzz. I know we like to talk about rookies because of the uncertainty around them. But Javante Williams, he's slowly emerging as the starter in Denver. A quote from Vic Fangio. We like his skill set. We think he's a good all-around back. We, he can run the ball inside. He has good contact balance. He's capable in pass protection, which is really important to think, really important thing to, ha- thing to have in your backfield. He's capable of running around and catching the ball out of the backfield. So it seems as though they have a plan for him to be the not only starter, but every down back, something that we haven't really seen much out of Denver in the past few seasons with Melvin Gordon splitting time with Philip Lindsay and everything. Where do you rank Trevante Williams? And what do you think his outlook this year is? 
So I think Javante Williams is definitely a top 25 running back, even as a rookie. Let's break down the player overall himself. So I'll tell you a few things about Javante Williams. Pro Football Focus gave him the highest grade among running backs in this year's draft class. According to P Pro Football Focus College, PFF College, Williams led in avoided tackles 75, which was six more than Najee Harris and 32 more than Travis Etienne. NFL.com's Lance Zierlein, who is well regarded, especially with his running back analysis of, of, of backs coming out of college, he compared him to Kareem Hunt. Quote, Javante Williams is a big, broad bully back who runs with an exciting blend of animosity and feel as a future every down starter in the league. He has the route running and protection toughness to take over as a three down RB1 fairly early in his career, end quote. That's some high praise. We also have to remember the Broncos traded up to select Javante Williams. They moved up from pick 40 to pick 35 in a deal with the Falcons where they sent a 2021 fourth rounder to take Javante Williams. Even though they have Melvin Gordon, they didn't care. They still moved up to take him. That speaks volumes to me about how much they love the player. And in this day and age with the N in the NFL, where running back is a devalued position, you don't trade up for a running back unless you have big plans for him, which we'll get into. So his current ADP is 62.7 on an underdog best ball leagues, which is RB26. I think that's a good value because of how high his upside really is and reports are that like we were mentioning is that he has he could be in the driver's seat right now even in june with melvin gordon so michael florio who, whose twitter handle at michael f florio he, he writes for he works for rotoballer you can find him on sirius xm he also works for nfl network he had broncos beat writer ryan o'halloran at ryan o'halloran for twitter on sirius on his show with Scott Engel at Scotty the King. And what O'Halloran said is, quote, Javante Williams will be the Broncos week one starter. He said they didn't trade up for him to not give him big work right away. He also went on to say that Melvin Gordon will have a secondary role and likely will play on third down and two minute drills. So that puts Javante Williams in play for early down work. Maybe he won't get as much work in the passing game, especially in the early going, but he's going to have a, a huge role and his skills in breaking tackles and making defenders miss makes him, gives him a ton of upside, even as a rookie. I'm going to give a shout out to one of my guys on Twitter, Christian Williams, at C Williams NFL. Follow him. He's, he puts out great content. I really love the, the comparison he made today. He called, he called this situation like the Browns back in 2018 when they had Carlos Hyde. He's saying Melvin Gordon is like Carlos Hyde and Javante Williams is like Nick Chubb. And that makes a ton of sense to me because you have that veteran who's getting her, maybe is in the mix early on, but then he's thrown to the wayside later in the year. Recall that the Browns traded Carlos Hyde to, to Jacksonville that year. Then when Nick Chubb took over from week seven to 17, he averaged over 16 PPR points per game and finished as RB 16 during that stretch. So Javante Williams has got a lot of upside and I wouldn't even, 
I wouldn't even be opposed to having him as my RB2. If you have him as your RB3, you're laughing. We also should note that the Broncos' offensive line is improving. Left tackle Garrett Bowles looked good in 2020. They also have a strong defense that added key pieces, like they drafted Patrick Sertain. They got uh, Kyle Fuller there. They, they got a good defense. They got Vic Fangio coaching them up. This is going to be a good defense, which could lead to favorable game scripts for Javante Williams. This is a player that might have league-winning upside you should take the plunge. You should draft Javante Williams. Very interesting stuff, Frank. I'm really liking these quotes from especially that Nick Chubb comparison. That gets me really excited. And I think every year in fantasy, we always get the same kind of players in drafts, in, in the rounds. So, for example, we were talking about taking two wide receivers early and you take a running back first round, you said. Now... If you didn't take Kyle Pitts in the fourth round, we're talking rookie running backs. Like that's fourth, fifth. So that's where I feel he's headed towards. Now it's only June and his ADP is 62. You see that climbing now with this news? If Javante Williams goes off in the preseason, you're going to see him rise in ADP. You also, hey, you can't rule out the Broncos may be a late camp cut with Melvin Gordon. We saw it with the Jags and, and Leonard Fournette last year. So if that were to happen, you can just, he'll shoot to the moon in ADP and likely go in the top 40 in that, in that situation. So right now, if you happen to be drafting in a best ball or in a FFBC, which is a higher stakes season hot long league, Javante Williams is at a nice value that could really increase. If you're like most people and you start to draft in August, it's just a good idea to keep an eye on this kid. He's got a ton of talent. A lot of respected minds and the fantasy football community coming into the draft, they really liked him. They, some of them even liked him as their favorite running back in this, in this year's draft, which is saying a lot. So this is a great player. He's, he's, he's got a path to volume, and he's definitely someone to monitor. Awesome stuff as always, Frank. Now, for our next segment, we understand that there's so many things coming at people, different information online, and you don't know what to take as real or fake. It's really tough to decipher at this time of the year because we know that everyone has their ulterior motive. Coaches don't want to give too much, and players, they just want to talk glowingly about themselves and the new, their new team, for example. So we're going to go through some quotes now. A little segment we like to call, Just Give Us Some Truth. And we're going to start this one off with a little topic from last week. Matt Nagy, when asked about Justin Fields as a runner, he said to him, if you get a chance to run, run. Because you're special with your legs. Now, Frank, does this sound like someone who is creating an offense for a stagnant quarterback and a running quarterback? Or is he just lying about all the other stuff he was saying before about week one starter? That's definitely an interesting question to pose. Cause on the one hand, remember when they drafted Justin Fields, Andy Dalton was like, you know, they call they, they explained to me that I was the starter when they signed me. So he was kind of feeling a little upset about it. So 
it definitely could be possible all this talk of how Nagy is saying that yeah Dalton's a guaranteed starter it could just be a quote to appease Dalton and make him feel okay with the way things are running and and just make him content with the situation and then hey if Justin Fields starts to ball out as we get closer to this season maybe we see him week one maybe it's just coach speak that's definitely possible but uh that's one aspect that that's one takeaway from this quote but the other one that i really like is just the fact that he's really praising fields rushing ability is huge because we all know how valuable qb rushing yards and fantasy leagues are that's a cheat code essentially they don't even need to be a good passer if they run a lot they're a fantasy stud so if he says that, that indicates to me that of a willingness to allow Fields to just run wild. And that is very, very exciting for his fantasy outlook. Whether even if we have to wait till week four, week five, week eight, he could be a difference maker whenever he takes the field. And if we recall Mitch Trubisky, he was a good runner too under Nagy. I'm looking at his stat. His best year rushing was 421 yards and three touchdowns back in 2018 in 14 games. And Justin Fields could definitely equal that, even eclipse those numbers. And if he could run for 500 yards, you you have yourself an intriguing fantasy asset, even as a rookie quarterback. So definitely exciting about his rushing outlook and also interesting in the point that you raised that maybe his quotes supporting Dalton is just deferring to a veteran especially early in camp. I mean, he could get, there's no reason that Fields can't force his hand. Like if Fields is balling out, it's not like Nagy has to uh, be strictly sticking to this quote that he made in June. So definitely keep an eye on the situation and Fields has a ton of upside, even as a rookie. This whole quarterback class for fantasy football is super exciting to me. Other than Mac Jones, because he's more of that statuesque quarterback that doesn't have that rushing upside but Lawrence can run Wilson can run Fields can run and Trey Lance can run so that's huge and makes me very excited to watch these rookies when they take the field all right now the second quote we're going to go down to Atlanta we just finished talking about Kyle Pitts let's listen to his head coach when asked about his personnel group he says we think we have a lot of guys that can play multiple roles for us That's what's going to be the fun part about when we get into camp and everybody's here and we're actually practicing. Hayden Hurst, he can play multiple roles for us. Lee Smith, he'll have multiple roles. Keith Smith too. When you get into those base personnel groups, they can do a lot of different jobs for us. Is this Arthur Smith trying to let you know that everyone else is going to be blocking while Kyle Pitts is just let loose? It's definitely possible. It's also what it tells me is they'll use a lot of two tight end sets often, and Hayden Hurst will will be on the field a lot. And you, you could see when they put in Lee Smith as a blocker that Pitts lines up out wide. Like if they go two tight ends, you could see sometimes Pitts in the slot or out wide with Ridley, and then you have you have Hurst and Smith blocking. But what I should also add to this is... Uh, Arthur Smith with Tennessee, he had two tight ends who, who put up some, who, who produced in the receiving game. Like we all know about Jonu Smith. He's got great ability after the catch. He's a beast in the red zone. 
but also Anthony Ferkser played a role there even last year with Janu Smith on the team. If we look at their production, each of them, uh, Janu Smith had 65 targets, uh, 41 catches, 448 yards. Anthony Ferkser had 53 targets, 39 catches. So they both play a role in the receiving game. So I still think Hayden Hurst will play a role. Last year, Hayden Hurst caught 56 of 88 targets for 571 yards. I could easily see Hurst getting 500 yards again. It's quite possible. Now, this could lead into someone who opposes drafting Pitts at this price saying, hey, they still have Hayden Hurst. He's still going to play a role. And to that, I would respond, like I mentioned earlier, Pitts is not a regular tight end and he will line up everywhere. So even if Hurst eats, Pitts can eat too. And if you look at this uh, offense, it's going to have a ton of volume to Ridley and Pitts. Then you'll have Hurst and Justin Gage getting the rest of the, the work pretty much. So, But that's not to send Hurst to the rafters. He could still play some sort of role. If you're in a especially deep league, he could be someone that you can take. Or if Kyle Pitts got injured, Hayden Hurst would become an immediate waiver wire pickup because he'll have an enhanced role. So to sum it up, the quote that you've given me here, uh, it just tells me that he's going to use his tight ends and Hurst is still going to play a role. Arthur Smith, we're not done with you yet, my friend. He said something else this week, Frank. He said that we knew the issue with the cap, and then obviously the cap went down this year. Coming off a bizarre year with the pandemic, the cap actually shrunk. So we knew there were going to be some big decisions we would have to make coming up. And... The way everything worked out, we feel pretty good. We feel like it was a win-win with the salary cap and Julio going to Tennessee and us right now being able to solve our short-term issue with the cap. Frank, is this, is this some truth? What's going on here? To me, this is just nonsensical coach speak defending a move that was just not a good move for the team, especially with the way they approached the draft. So you look at the draft, they picked fourth overall. We've been glowing about Kyle Pitts this whole time. But from purely a football standpoint, on a team with Matt Ryan, what is he now? He's 36. On a team with an aging quarterback that does not have Super Bowl aspirations, taking a tight end fourth overall is not really the best decision. Yeah, Matt Ryan is 36. So how many years does Matt Ryan really have left? So in making the move to take Kyle Pitts, it would have been good to keep Julio because then you have... Look at that offense, Julio, Ridley, Kyle Pitts with Matt Ryan. You're surrounding Matt Ryan with just stacked talent, and he could really extend his career that way and have a renaissance season. But because of cap issues and that Julio Jones wanted out, now you had to trade him. And now it's just basically like, why? Like, what do you, where are they going anyway this year? Where are they going to win? Nine games, 10 games, and then lose in the first round? So passing on a quarterback in such an exciting quarterback class where what four quarterbacks went in the top 10 and, and five went in the top 15. This was a stacked quarterback class. They could have drafted Justin Fields or even, uh, well, they, I wouldn't have gone with Mac Jones. No, Justin Fields. They could have drafted Justin Fields and have him maybe sit behind Matt Ryan for a little bit and then bring him in. So this is just Arthur Smith defending a move that they were kind of forced into. It's possible that when they drafted Pitts, they they didn't know Julio wanted out, but 
if they knew Julio wanted out while drafting Pitts, I think that was not a good decision. They should have went with Justin Fields. So this is just a case of a coach defending his front office, and it's just nonsense. You can't be telling me that you like where you're at when you trade a receiver like Julio. When you could have, that would have been such an exciting offense. And so I, I don't, I don't buy into this quote. You traded him to your old team. Yeah. You were there. You just helped out your buddies, and you understand he was going to go to the AFC, Julio. But like you said, it's tempting, isn't it? To you have a fourth overall pick and you don't have a quarterback. That's you might as well, right? It's exactly. almost as if they were sitting around saying, hey, look, we can save this dollar here and save this here. Because they're probably looking at it as, oh, this is Arthur Smith's first year. Most likely we're going to be bad again. We'll just take another a quarterback next year. Yeah, I don't like that approach, to be it's honest a, with you. It's a weak-minded approach, I think. You, you kind of put yourself in this negative space that, oh, we're going to be bad anyway. So what's the point? <laughs> Matt Ryan's going to die on the field, and then we're just going to continue on. <laughs> when you have a pick in the top five and you don't have a franchise quarterback or at least the quarterback you do have is 36 or older and you're not really going anywhere draft the quarterback especially when you have justin field just sitting right there for you it's so hard to get to that top five too yeah and teams really want to trade up too they don't want to give up the assets to to make that trade because it's not only the picks it's the the contract you're giving these guys so, you know, exactly. that was, for example, one of the reasons I hate to keep mentioning the Eagles, but that I think was one of the main reasons we traded down because we just decided we can't afford this pick. We were over the cap. We're having issues. Let's just trade down and maybe we can get who we wanted later. So then after we say, oh, we always wanted Devontae Smith, the classic line, right? We always wanted him. He was our number one guy. <laughs> and it's a classic, you know, song and dance that we have to listen from these players. And that's why we do this, Frank. That's why we say, just give me some truth. Exactly. And now, speaking of the Titans, we have with us a Titan super fan. This is Andrew Abbott. Andrew, where can uh, where can everybody follow you at? What's your Twitter handle? It's uh, TFJ, uh, AJ Abbott 20. Fantastic. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Yourself? Well, we're doing great. We just finished talking about one of your new boys, Julio Jones. Now, you're yeah. a huge Titans fan. What do you think about Julio Jones? Uh, Julio's, Julio's going to be a great addition uh to the tennessee titans getting a little nervous going into the season with josh reynolds as as their second as their wide out number two you know having julio there is is a big addition it's uh you know a lot of tennessee titans fans should be excited about this addition i mean the fact that they had aj brown and Corey davis both have a, a thousand yard thousand yard uh receiving yard seasons uh last year and to get to get an upgrade in Julio over or over Corey Davis is, is massive. So Julio is going to bring a lot to this offense. You think uh, he's going to score more fantasy points than AJ Brown? Who do you think is going to be the, the number one guy there? I still think, I still think AJ Brown's going to be the number one guy there. I could definitely see Julio being slotting in between the number wide out number 14 or, or 18 in the league. Like he's still going to put up big numbers. I, I think, especially, you know, with the threat, 
of, of AJ Brown on the other side. And then you have, you know, Derek Henry in the backfield. It, like it's Ryan Tannehill is going to have a lot of fun this year. A lot of fun this year. I like what you said about the fact that you were worried that they were going in with Josh Reynolds as the only other reliable wide receiver alongside AJ Brown, because just imagine like if AJ Brown were to miss time, what would happen to that offense? You have Josh Reynolds and what, like nothing basically to pass him and Anthony Ferkser. So that was, yeah, definitely really filled a need getting Julio Jones. And that's going to be just a totally nasty offense to watch. And like you said, yeah, Ryan Tannehill is going to be loving life this year. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. And uh, I like, I like how you pointed out to uh, Ferkser. I think Ferkser is going to be a little bit of a sleeper. I know losing Johnu Smith, it's a big loss. Like Johnu, Johnu brought a lot to the, a lot to the office offense. Like he's a beast. Pat's picking him up was, is massive. But I think, I think with the attention that Julio Jones and AJ Brown and Derek Henry is going to get, like he's, he's going to be one of those guys that he'll sneak in. He'll sneak in there. So I liked him a little more uh, before just because he could have more targets when they didn't add Julio Jones. But I get what you're saying in that now. Yeah, like you said, he could just really sneak in there. So you might see imagine in the red zone, you you're an opposing defense. You're worried that Tannehill hands it off to the big dog, the beast, Derrick Henry, or he throws it to these massive specimens on the perimeter and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. And then what? Who's going to even think of Anthony Ferkser? So you might get some sneaky touchdowns there for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. I mean, all last year, defenses were loading the box on Derrick Henry, right? But now, what, like, it's it's one of those things where he rushed for 2,000 yards last year on loaded boxes. But what's going to happen this year, especially with defenses? I think there's going to be a lot of defenses struggling trying to figure out who to stop and I like I wouldn't be surprised you know you have one week one of these guys go off right but it's last year Tennessee was a top five defense in the or top five offense in the league the addition of Julio I think I think they'll be right there again yeah you mentioned something about uh you know Derrick Henry's getting these heavy workloads year after year this year with Julio do you think they're going to scale back his touches what do you expect from Henry this year do you still feel confident taking him as one of the top running backs in the draft yeah 100% last year in our in our home draft I had the number four pick I picked Henry uh, you know I, I wouldn't hesitate to pick him as at, at one to be honest with you that you know the touches may go down a bit but I mean I, I think we've all seen his workout videos you know in the offseason the guy's a beast he's always always in shape always ready for the season like I said, I think his touches may take a little bit of a dip, but that's just because of uh, the weapons around him. However, although he has lower touches, I could still see the yardage being there because he's like he's not he's not going to get loaded boxes or as not as many loaded boxes. I, I think over the season, we've seen Tennessee do this multiple times where you have a loaded box and. They just they go into play action and and they drop it over right, you know. Last year they had Corey Davis, they had they had AJ Brown, on you know two bad knees. So like it's 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 going to be really scary and you know to be a Titans fan it's it's exciting times that's for sure. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to be very exciting to watch this offense. I do agree with you that you'll see less you'll see fewer touches because 
if we look at last year, he had 378 carries. That I don't see that happening again. Plus, it's not sustainable. As big as he is, as much of a beast as he is, it's tough to do that every year. So I would say still over 300, but probably in the 300 to 325 carry range. And last year, he averaged 5.4 yards per carry. It's likely to be similar. He's going to average fives with, with the, the, less, the fewer loaded boxes, like you mentioned. He's going to have a, a high touchdown upside. Like last year, he got 17. The year before, 16. He's a lock for double digits again. I mean, he's, this is going to be huge for his career because they don't have to rely on him as much now with Julio there to join A.J. Brown. The other thing is you could still see him get a ton of touches in the sense that Julio Jones, it always seems like he's battling with some, he's some kind of nagging injury that caused him to maybe not miss a full game, but may, maybe miss maybe a couple games, but even take him out early of a few. It'll be tough to, maybe you see him, them rest him be more willing to rest them, especially because it's a 17 game year. So in those types of games, you could see like those, those type of games where uh, Julio sits out again, you could see them really lean on Henry and I, he won't, obviously we're not going to say he's going to get 2000 rushing yards, but he should be good for 1500 along with 12 plus touchdowns. The, the one real concern is that he doesn't catch passes. That's the thing. The, the running backs around his range, you know, we got Christian McCaffrey catches a ton of passes. Dalvin Cook catches passes. Henry doesn't. But, uh, hey, maybe they maybe now that Arthur Smith is gone, the new offensive coordinator, maybe he makes it more of a priority to give Henry a few more screen passes. Last year, he set a career high with 19 catches and 31 targets. I would definitely bet on the over on that. I could see him being a little more involved in the passing game so like like we said though this is great for henry we there's no in no way can we say adding a player of julio's caliber is bad for derrick henry especially how he faced stacked boxes so i'm definitely with you i'm comfortable taking him in the top five running backs i wouldn't go as far as rb1 overall but I definitely would take them in the top four. Yeah, no, and, and that's fair. I think I think any of those any of those top four backs you really can't go wrong. Just uh, I guess a note on Julio. I think I mean I know he only played nine games last year, but over over what I've seen through interviews and uh, and stuff like that, he looks really fired up. I mean, last year he only played nine games, but I think the, the last six years before that he played a full season. He's definitely hearing hearing what's what's out there, right? It's is one of the scariest things of a fired up Julio, right? So, like, I, I don't know if he'll get the same the same targets as he had, you know, with Matt Ryan and, and Atlanta, just because of the the amount of weapons that Tennessee has. But he's, I think he's still gonna he's still gonna put up numbers, and if and you know, maybe maybe he like, I mean, knock on wood, he stays healthy, but. I think he's, he's going to be really fired up for this season. Yeah, that's a good point, too, is just how we can't underestimate uh, how a change of scenery can really boost, just really rejuvenate you as a player. Like, he was he was rotting in Atlanta. They weren't good the last, what, couple years. Last year, they had all those brutal blown losses. You, you got to – we can't underestimate the impact that could have on a player where you just – you kind of lose some, some sense of motivation. So joining a team like Tennessee that can contend – uh, they're a playoff contender and he's playing alongside AJ Brown, who's pretty similar to him as a receiver in that they're both huge. They could take it to the house on any play um, and playing with Derrick Henry. Yeah. So 
he's definitely going to be motivated. And last week, Carlos and I touched on how Julio Jones seemed to be fed up with uh, Matt Ryan's deep ball. I think he made like a comment in the media. It was something like something along those lines. I don't remember exactly the quote, but you got to think like, like Ryan Tannehill has a nice deep ball and he's going to be even more hyped to have a quarterback like that. So I'm with you. He's still going to be productive and it'll be exciting to see. The quote you're talking about is he wanted to play with a big armed QB that can deliver the deep ball. So, you know, you, you can spin that whatever way you want. He's basically saying he doesn't have a quarterback at the moment that throws a deep ball well. So now let's see if he's really happy about it this year. Now, on top of that, we just finished talking about your boy, Arthur Smith, who's now in Atlanta. Are you worried about the Titans' offensive efficiency now that he's gone? You can't take away anything from Arthur Smith. Uh, what he's what he did in Tennessee was was outstanding. I mean, he brought us to a top five offense again. Arthur Smith took over when when Tennessee lost Matt Lafleur, and you know there were a lot of unknowns when he came in as well. Todd Downing, he's again, you know, like Arthur Smith, he was a tight ends coach. I think Vrabel really values having you know guys within the system being promoted with Todd Downing. He was an offensive coordinator in Oakland, you know, in uh, 2017, you know, the, the years where Derek Carr was lighting it up. He, he ended up losing, losing his job and, you know, coming to Tennessee after the Raiders kind of took, took a little bit of a fall, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I have faith at the end of the day, he behind Arthur Smith, you hope he's picking up, kind of where he left off right like think I don't think the system's going to change too much obviously play calling might be a little different but I have faith in in the ability that he has especially especially since he's been in that role previously so yeah I I like what you said there so coming into the year when they didn't add Julio Jones I was a little worried about Ryan Tannehill uh, losing Arthur Smith uh, just because of how Smith just just uh revived Tannehill's career and really helped him out and they were such an efficient offense but like you said it's huge that it was a promotion from within you know like down downing or um yeah downing could have learned a lot from Smith and it's just he knows the players already there's familiarity there so that's huge and that you love to see continuity on offense and that's what downing will bring and then now that they added Julio basically my concerns even if downing was from was an outside hire now that they traded for Julio, those concerns are pretty much out the window just because that is such a nasty trio with Julio, Brown, and Henry that it's pretty difficult for an offensive coordinator to really mess that up. So, But like you said, the continuity is huge, and I'm with you there as well that this is still going to be a very good offense. Now, if they didn't add Julio, we'd be, we'd, there would be some worry there, but hey, maybe they knew for a while that they were going to go after Julio because apparently the Falcons did hear these trade demands like before the draft, at least a month, I think. And and we saw the way the Titans didn't really aggressively pursue a receiver in the draft, even though they only had Brown and Reynolds. So maybe they kind of were always really aggressively pursuing Julio. So who knows? But yeah, they should have a dominant offense. Yeah, I agree. And and like you said, it, it adding adding Julio changes changes everything, right? Um, I mean, 
you know, having like the, the, like there's no comparison when you're talking about Julio and Josh Reynolds. <laughs> so yeah, like it's, it's kind of one of those, okay, you could breathe easy. Uh, you know, John Robinson's John Robinson's doing a great job there. Who knows? He might not be done from all the, from all the rumors that you hear out there. Right. But even if he, even if he were to go into go into the season with the offense that he has right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate a bit. I think, I think they're going to be, I still think they're going to be a top five offense. Uh, on top of that, non-fantasy related, what are your overall expectations from the Titans this year? You think that they can uh, challenge the Chiefs, you know, the big name teams in the AFC? Um, you know, I, I, you know what, I think I, I, I believe they can. Um, you know, and adding Julio is a big factor to that. Tennessee was eleven and five last year with probably one of the worst defenses that you, like in the league, right? I think they were like twenty seventh or something like that. Especially with Julio now, there's no there's no worries on the offensive side of things. Um, on the defense defensive side of things, you know they've added Bud Dupree, they've they've hired Jim Schwartz as uh, as almost like an advisor. If they could, you know fix things up to in the, on the defensive side of things sky's the limit kind of thing i i could see them definitely as a contender you know with the chiefs the browns you know the top top afc teams it's it's a big deal going 11 and 5 with the with the defense that they had the the fact that you know i still i still think they'll be a top five offense in the league and if they could if they could you know fix up some of those those defensive issues that they had last year yeah, I could definitely see them, you know, taking on the Chiefs because ultimately, especially with, you know, especially with the Chiefs, it's it's all it's all offense. It's it's, you know, it's game management. The addition, the addition of Julio and A.J. Brown or and, and, and having A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, it's just it's just, you know, icing on the cake. Right. Tennessee going back a couple of years when they're AFC championship versus the Chiefs, uh, you know, they were up 17-7. And then, you know, the Chiefs, like they did every every other team in the AFC that year, they just, you know, they found a way and came back and started, you know, killing it with with Mahomes there, right? I think they have a they have a an offense that can score similar similarly to the Chiefs. And, you know, if 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 their offense is on there, especially out if they want to use, you know, Derrick Henry and manage the clock, then they definitely, definitely have a chance. Yeah. So I want to say about the Titans coming into the year, you know, that with, if they just had AJ Brown and Josh Reynolds, I was thinking they were clearly the second best team in the AFC South behind the Colts because the Colts added Carson Wentz, who I think will bounce back and they have a good defense there. But now that they got Julio, they're neck and neck for the division. They could win it again. Like you said, their offense was already amazing, and it's going to remain in the, at least in the top 10 with Julio there. And the defense was as bad as can be last year, like you alluded to. And the additions of Bud Dupree, and then they draft, they use their first rounder on Caleb Farley there, the corner. So, I mean, they can only go in, it can't go anywhere but up. It's not going to be worse than last year. It's very unlikely that it'll even be as bad as last year. So you have to project improvement there. So they're likely, I, I could see them winning the division again. And you have to like the winning culture that Mike Vrabel has really put into Tennessee. I mean, his three years there, they've gone nine and seven, nine and seven. And then they went to the AFC championship that year and then 11 and five. And they won the division before losing to the Ravens in a tough loss. 
So they've been, he's been successful there. They have a nice, nice program there. Like we said, continuity with the new OC. So they'll still be contenders. And I think now with Julio, I'm putting them slightly ahead of the Colts. I think they'll win the division. As for contending for a Super Bowl, I don't know if their defense is good enough yet, but there's a path to that happening. Like if their defense really takes off under new coaching and their new additions, not takes off, but is more like it could bend but not break and their offense just remains elite, they can definitely go deep. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. So I definitely like now what Tennessee has done and they're, they're contenders for sure, at least for the playoffs. And I will pick them to win the division. I like uh, I like the fact that you picked them for the division. Uh, you know they it's always going to be tight. I think Indy to me is you know they're they're a great team. You know the, you can't you can't put anything past them. I I question uh, Carson Wentz a little bit uh, just because I know he's you know he's going to be familiar with with the head coach that's in Indy. Uh, you know you know coaching Philly right that having that relationship there. Ever since Carson had that knee injury, he he hasn't really looked the same. And I know I know Philly's Philly's offensive line's kind of been beaten up, and he he's really had no no time to throw the ball there. But it's it's one of those question marks, right? Because you know at the end of the day, if he can't do it under Indy's offensive line, then you know it's it's a miss. So yeah for sure it'll be interesting it'll, inter- it'll be interesting to see how Wentz performs with back with Frank Reich but we'll see we'll see shout yeah. out to Super Bowl winning coach Jim Schwartz <laughs> oh two oh four eighteen <laughs> trenched into my mind Andrew we know you have a lot of Titans jerseys let us know some of the players that you got there what I have a Eddie George jersey I have Chris Johnson uh, Derek Mason, I have a Javon Curse, I have a, and I have a, a Derek Henry jersey that's on the way. So uh, that's those are the jerseys I have right now. Wait, do you have Mariota too or no? Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, I can't believe I forgot about him. And he would. I I feel like Mariota, if he had better coaching in Tennessee, he would have done much better than than what he what we saw from him. Yeah, you know what, and and it's it's one of those things like he's, it, it's hard it's hard to hate on a guy with that type of character, right? Like he's he's a big character guy in the room. Like even when he lost a job to Ryan Tannehill, he was you know it's on the sidelines. It, there's there's no nothing negative coming from him, right? So I like like to him, I I hope. I hope he does really well in, in Oakland. I know Derek Carr is there, but yeah, I'm hoping hoping the best for him. That's for sure. I mean, I have a I have two I have two helmets signed. One one helmet is uh, with Derek Henry and and Mariota, and the nice. other one's uh, Earl Campbell. So yeah, nothing. I, I wish nothing but the best for Mariota. That's for sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Maybe he could steal the job from Carr at some point, or maybe, hey, as a Washington fan, I, I wanted them to go after him, Mariota, but that didn't happen. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, those are the jerseys I have. I, you know, ultimately, I think every, every, every guy that I grab there is, is you know, like Chris Johnson, 2,000 yard rusher. Like, I think, if he didn't, if he didn't 
you know, I, I think he kind of got run to the ground a little bit with, uh, with Jeff Fisher there, but like he, he was a fantastic runner, huge highlight, highlight reel there. Oh, I loved them. And how, yeah. what is it with the Titans and 2000 yard rushers? That's two of them within like 10 yeah. years. That's if, crazy. If you think about, if you think about the rushers that they've, they've kind of developed there, it's, it's crazy. Like even, even with, you know, Chris Johnson there, they still had Lendell White. Yeah, he was okay for a little bit. They had that when they were rookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that thunder and lightning rush, thousand yard rushing season with you know like ten TDs. Like you know, he was decent. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, no, their their rushing their rushing attack has been you know, ever since ever since I've been I've been around, it's it's been lights out from Eddie George up, right? So. I mean, like, you know, even even the the years before Derrick Henry with, you know, DeMarco Murray and stuff, he had a yeah. big he had a big year with us too. So yeah. I know everyone they always say like running backs are the valued position, but it is nice when you have that stud back there. That's just fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And especially if they're all workhorses too, right? Like oh, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is intended what water is in Tennessee that they're drinking, but everyone, everyone's committed to the run there. It's yeah, yeah, it's true. It's good. It's good to watch. It's good to watch. That's for sure. Maybe it's all the barbecue. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Get them beefed up. So Adji, you took us down memory lane there. What's your favorite? What's your favorite memory as a Titans fan? Okay. So favorite memory in person was probably the OT win in Buffalo. When but, um, I think one of my favorite moments was when, you know, Eddie George, Eddie George is coming down, you know, running, running straight up the middle, meets, meets Ray, Ray Lewis and knocks him out, knocks him down. That's like, that's, that's a, one of those big moments, right? Like Ray Lewis and Eddie George are such a, a big, big uh, rivalry that like, you know, it's the growing up and, you know, seeing that, seeing that as a young fan that's that's awesome that's awesome and it kind of you know eddie george kind of like the the stuff that Eddie george did and seeing what derrick henry is doing now it's you know it's it's very very similar like they're they're very like they're very imposing dominant like big backs right so um yeah no awesome to see awesome to see that's great stuff andrew we really enjoyed that inside look at the Titans because to be honest, I barely keep up with anything Titans and I just defer to you whenever anything like that happens. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It was yeah, great to no. hear from great to hear from you. I hope to have you again sometime. Let the people know where they can find you on the social. Thanks. Thanks again for having me guys. You know, it was a real pleasure talking with all of you. Um, you can find me on TFJ. Uh, or at TFJ, uh, AJ Abbott 20. Um, and you know, let's, uh, let's tighten up here. Let's tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten <laughs> That's up, it. baby. Thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Jones podcast. Keep up with the Fantasy Jones on Twitter and Instagram at the Fantasy Jones. And coming soon, thefantasyjones.com.